and welcome to this episode of Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks on the Mayo Media Network. I am Gary and Thorne. It is Friday night. You guys know the drill. We are talking everything baseball, specifically fantasy baseball, for Saturday, June the 12th. And we're going to focus mostly on the four-game featured slate on DraftKings that gets going at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. There is a bigger afternoon slate, but I think this four-gamer is kind of interesting. It's it's very specific, I'll say that. There's a lot of uh, twists and turns, so I think it's really fun to delve into that one, get really nitty-gritty into some of the matchups. So we'll do that, but before we get into that four-gamer, let us talk about prize picks. And if you guys don't know, head on over to prizepicks.com where you'll find a variety of fantasy games you can play, all of them very fun. Um, but what you can do if you have not yet deposited at Prize Picks, use the promo code MMNMLB when making that first deposit, and you will have that deposit matched up to $100. So make sure you do that and then use these picks on Saturday. I'm going to start with Anthony Rizzo, who I think goes over seven fantasy points in the Cubs matchup against John Gant. Now, Gant, his ERA looks pretty good, but all the ERA estimators hate John Gant, and that's because he's walking almost as many batters as he's struck out so far in 2021. That finally caught up with him in his last start, and I really just think that was the tip of the iceberg. I think we're going to see crazy amounts of regression from Gant as the month of June rolls along. I mean, this is someone who, just as a point of reference, has a 5.78 expected ERA. So, not a very good pitcher. The Cubs have been doing really well as of late. Their offense is pretty hot. Um, Jock Peterson is probably their hottest hitter. Unfortunately, you don't get a prop on Peterson when it comes to fantasy points. So I will go with Rizzo, who in his own right has been fantastic since putting the month of April behind him. He had another home run on Friday. So I think he's in pretty good form right now. You get the opposite hand matchup for Rizzo against Gant. I think it's a pretty good spot. And I think he goes over seven fantasy points. The other guy I like to go over their fantasy point prop also on the night slate is Justin Turner going up against Colby Allard of the Texas Rangers. So Justin Turner against a lefty is always a situation that fantasy owners want to mine. I mean, it's been almost a half decade of just blindly using Justin Turner against left-handed pitchers. But actually, so far in 2021, he's been a little bit better against right-handed pitchers. The numbers have fallen off against lefties just slightly, but in general, here's the point I want to make. In general, he's just been fantastic. And in fact, in the month of June coming into Friday, this is only 35 plate appearances, but still, he had a 200 WRC+, and then he proceeded to hit a home run in his first plate appearance of the night. So he has been absolutely on fire across the last two weeks. His fantasy point prop is seven and a half. Um, I think he could do it against Allard if he gets two plate appearances. I think he could do it against a Texas bullpen that is pretty middle of the pack when it comes down to it. So I think we're in a really good situation with both these guys, both these veteran players. I like Turner over seven and a half and Rizzo over seven on prize picks. Okay, let's move to DraftKings and let us talk about this really weird four-game slate. So the first thing I think you have to understand is this isn't even really a four-game slate. It's a three and a half, 3.75 game slate because 
San Francisco and Washington is game two of a doubleheader. They had a game rained out on Thursday, and the doubleheader was scheduled for Saturday. So this is going to be a seven-inning game, and it's already been made clear by San Francisco that this is going to be a bullpen game. So that also, while messing up some of the stacking opportunities, possibly, uh, for those two teams, that limits us to seven starting pitchers on this four-game slate. So that really makes deciphering who's good and who's bad a little bit more black and white because you really can't nitpick with some of these guys. Either they're viable or they're not. There's there's no in-between here. And I do think that's going to end up creating a lot of ownership on a couple of names, but it's really hard to argue with the names that you're going to come up with. And I think the first guy we have to talk about, obviously, is the most expensive pitcher on the slate, and that is Trevor Bauer. And obviously... There's been a lot of talk about Trevor Bauer the past two weeks. Um, The Sticky Stuff conversation, uh, he is one of the stars of that conversation, and it just so happens that some of his worst starts of the season have come very recently. In fact, he has failed to score 20 DraftKings points in each of his last three games. That is a span of 18 and two-thirds innings where he's only struck out 15. Now, for a normal pitcher, that wouldn't be that bad. The fact that he's only actually given up eight earned runs in that span of time also wouldn't actually be that bad. But this is Trevor Bauer, someone who, generally speaking, is priced over $11,000 on a DFS slate. So we get a little bit of a break. Uh, You just can't price a pitcher that high with not that many pitchers to choose from. So he's under 10K. That's a very rare occurrence, and that obviously makes him a little bit more palatable. And Texas also just brings their own brand of awfulness that really, I think, raises the ceiling of Bauer, even if there is some questions about the spin rate and if we're going to ever see those sort of 2020 strikeout rates again or in the near future. Uh, Texas heading into Friday's slate across the last 30 days, dead last in baseball in WOBA at 267, dead last in baseball in WRC Plus at 69. They just can't hit, and they're about middle of the pack in terms of strikeout rate in that span, too. About 24-25% of their plate appearances end in strikeouts, so just a really, really easy matchup for Trevor Bauer. Maybe, probably not on a slate this small, but maybe some of the outside, off-the-field issues, I guess they're on-the-field issues, really, but some of the more circumstantial elements of the Bauer profile, maybe that does draw a couple prospective owners away, and we see his ownership a little bit lower than I think it's going to be, but I don't know. I think you kind of have to use Trevor Bauer. He's so clearly got the highest ceiling of any pitcher on this slate, which brings us to who has the highest floor, and this is actually my favorite pitching option on this four-gamer, and that is Luis Garcia of the Houston Astros. Luis Garcia has been fantastic, really all season long. I mean, I should I should preface what I'm about to say by saying I don't need to break his season up into segments. He's just been good. He's got a 2.75 ERA and a 3.16 expected ERA. So pretty much everything he's done has been validated by the advanced stats. However, if you do want to cherry pick, his last four starts... He's got a 1.88 ERA, a 2.65 FIP, and a 30.4% strikeout rate. In that four-outing span, he is averaging 26 DraftKings points per game. He has yet to score lower than 22 DraftKings points in his last four starts. So 
just a rock solid floor. And I think this is a relatively good matchup against Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota obviously has some offensive potential. Uh, Kirilov, Donaldson, Nelson Cruz is back and hitting home runs. There's the potential to do some damage, but this is also a team that is dealing with so many injuries. This is not peak Minnesota, let's say. So I think there's an opportunity here for someone like Garcia at just $8,100 to really bring back value on a slate like this. And again, with not that many, I don't even want to say good, decent, average pitching options on Saturday, someone this reliable is really a commodity. So I like Luis Garcia a lot on Saturday. Then you kind of get into this weird territory of there's two guys priced at $7,600. You've got Jose Barrios and you've got Joe Ross. And I do think it's pretty obvious which way most people are going to lean here. And I was trying to come up with a reason other than just purely being contrarian that Joe Ross would be a better play than Barrios. But unfortunately, I really can't come up with that. I mean, look, Jose Barrios has never been someone that blows me away. I'm, I'm consistently underwhelmed by the Minnesota Twins ace. However, for the season, his numbers are perfectly fine. He's got a 3.49 xFIP. He's got a 26% strikeout rate. Ross, meanwhile, has a 5.50 FIP and has a tendency to walk some people. So not really the formula you're looking for in terms of a DFS pitcher. And another thing to think about, the Giants' offense has been great recently. They've got a 130 WRC plus across their last two weeks of action. That is the third highest rate in all of baseball. And reports are they're going to get Mike Yastrzemski back on Saturday. Now, maybe he plays in game one and doesn't play in game two. I don't quite know how it's going to break down. But you've got an offense that's already running red hot, and you're adding arguably their best bat back into the mix, specifically a left-handed bat against Joe Ross. And Joe Ross has struggled immensely with left-handed bats so far this season. So, again, I think I would rank the pitching options Luis Garcia first, Trevor Bauer second on a dollar-per-dollar basis, factoring in ownership as well. Uh, And then I'd have to put Barrios at three, and then a... huge gap. There's a huge gap between the number one and number two options to Berrios. Then another huge gap. Uh, And then you've got your Joe Rosses and your Kyle Hendricks. And that's, again, just not territory I really want to get into, especially with how many home runs Hendricks has been giving up as of late. So again, this is is a weird slate in that sense. I think a lot of people are going to eat the chalk on the pitchers, which is why I think you do have to get creative when it comes to the hitters, and while generally speaking, I would never suggest stacking the seven-inning game, because you're just doing yourself a disservice. I mean, you could lose a full plate appearance, maybe even two per player in a seven-inning game versus a nine-inning game, but on a weird one like this, maybe you stack the Giants. Maybe you look at the Giants and go, okay, everyone's going to want to stack the Dodgers, justifiably so. Colby Allard is not good. Everyone's going to want to stack the Cubs, which again, makes sense. John Gant, very due, very due for some regression. Uh, and and Cubs, they're properly priced, I'll say that. Uh, you got Chris Bryant at $5,900. Uh, Rizzo's expensive, Baez is expensive. Even Jock Peterson is 4800 and he's been hitting a lot of home runs lately, so that makes a lot of sense. So I've got no problem playing the Cubs. I just think 
one, you're going to be spending up on pitching. And two, everyone's going to be doing that. So I do think the differentiating factor here could be getting some exposure to that doubleheader game. And again, I think the Giants, they've been great overall the past two weeks. Really, they've been great aside from the first two weeks of the season. They've been one of the best offensive teams in baseball. And again, specifically when it comes to Joe Ross. I mean, he struggles against everybody. He's he's allowing almost two home runs per nine to right-handed batters. But a 353 Woba to left-handed batters so far this season. He is not good in those opposite-hand matchups. And the Giants have so many cost-effective left-handed bats in their lineup. If Yaz plays, he's 4'7". He's the most expensive guy on the team. But aside from him, you've got Brandon Crawford, who is just raking right now. The past four weeks for Brandon Crawford, I mean, his advanced numbers are off the charts. He's just $4,000. Brandon Belt is back off the IL. He's $3,900. Even if you want to play Lamont Wade, who's going to be leading off, most likely. I mean, the lineups could get a little weird after game one, game two. We've seen some strange stuff with the doubleheaders, but he's $3,800. Like, you can get a really, really cheap stack going with the top third of the Giants' batting order, and I don't think that many people are going to want to get a piece of that game because they'll be scared away by the seven-inning aspect of it. So, I don't know. It's risky, but I do think you have to take some risks in the GPP on a slate this small. So, that is the four-game slate breakdown. Um, it's 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 going to be a wild one. I'll say that. Okay, before we get out of here, let's talk about some best bets on the DraftKings Sportsbook, and let's start with an afternoon game. Uh, I will say I don't normally bet with my heart or my gut. It really usually comes down to numbers. And I do have some numbers to back this up. But I am going to be betting Boston's money line on Saturday. Uh, It is minus 134 on the DKSB. They're at home. They're facing the Jays. It's Nick Pavetta against Steven Matz. Honestly, it's kind of a wash when it comes to the pitching matchup. There's nothing really there that gives me a lean. I just think this is going to be a broken Jays team. Uh, heartbreaking loss on Friday night. A game where they led 5-1, they had 16 hits, and they still found a way to get walked off in the ninth inning by the Red Sox. Just good vibes for the Red Sox right now. Bad vibes for the Jays. Maybe their worst loss of the season. And it's also important to remember, they have been ravaged by bullpen injuries that unit has just been terrible for them. So even if they get a lead early in this game, it just doesn't seem like they can lock things down late, uh, especially against the Boston offense that has been as good as the Red Sox have been so far this season. The Red Sox are also just a really good team. They are 16-3 in their last 19 divisional games, which when you're playing in the American League East is pretty damn impressive. Uh, on top of that, they are 6-1 in their past seven games as a favorite. So the trends back the Red Sox, and I think the emotion also backs the Red Sox. So I will back the Red Sox at minus 134. The other bet I like, the Astros money line at minus 120. We talked about this game already. Um, I've I've never been a Barrios fan, and I really like Luis Garcia. I just think the Astros are better than the Twins. Um, So the fact that you're getting a relatively low number here, not having to eat a lot of the VIG with, the road favorite Astros. I mean, obviously, if this game was in Houston, they'd probably be like a minus 170, minus 180 favorite. 
Uh, I'm going to take advantage of the setting of this game. I just think the Astros are the better team. I think Luis Garcia is the better pitcher. Um, I think the Astros have the better bullpen, even though they don't have a great bullpen, but still. Um, I'm just going to roll with the Astros here, fading the Twins. Uh, I think that's a pretty good way to go so far in 2021. So Astros money line, minus 120. Red Sox money line, minus 134. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks on the Mayo Media Network. I am Gary Thorne, and I will catch you guys next time.